Are y'all glad to be here? This is a good crowd this morning, and we are so glad that you're here um, to worship with us. Uh, this kind of, as Brother Brent said, starts our Advent season, starts our Christmas season, and we're so excited about that. And speaking of starting Christmas season, let me just take about one minute and remind you that this is the first week of our emphasis on Lottie Moon. And, uh, you know, the deal with... COVID and all that going on, the need for the gospel has not lessened any. In fact, it's probably greater than ever. It's greater here in America, but it's also greater around the world. And, you know, this this church has always been a strong supporter of Lottie Moon, and I hope you will do that. You say, what's a Lottie Moon? Well, it's our Christmas offering, and every dollar you give, somebody say every dollar. Yeah, yeah, every dollar you give goes to missions work. None of it goes to executive salaries. None of it goes to publicity even. That's all funded separately. This every dollar you give goes to help missionaries spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Southern Baptists have over 4,000 missionaries. And what's cool about that is that, again, they're able to go and and they can share in different places around the world. And the story this week is about a young lady named Kristen Lowry. And what's really unusual is Kristen was a photographer for the International Mission Board. She was a missionary that happened to be a photographer. And then she saw a story about a woman who was trying to help street kids um, in Kenya. And so she, uh, she kind of like, you know, oh, that's a great need, you know. And she thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And she read the story, read the story, read the story. And bottom line is, she finds it, God, are you telling me to go? Now, she's already on the foreign field. Are you telling me to leave what I've been doing and go and do this? And he was. She said, as soon as I said yes to God, I had this great peace. And so she went to Kenya and now works on staff as co-director of a mission there. And the mission is, is to help young boys get off the street. Hundreds of thousands. Somebody say hundreds of thousands. I want you to get the idea that's a lot. A hundred thousand of these boys, for whatever reason, are homeless on the streets in Kenya. And, they, and then some of them are sexually abused. Some of them are on drug cases. Some of the parents just simply kick them out. And society thinks so low of them, they're called the trash eaters. The trash eaters. And their ministry is to go out onto the streets and find these young boys and invite them to come to this shelter. It's not an orphanage, okay? The ultimate goal is to help these kids. We give them food. They give them clothing. They get them to catch up on their education. But the ultimate goal is to get them back into their homes and to their families. And it's just a wonderful success. And you, when you give to Lottie Moon, you play a part of that. So I hope this year, I know money's tight. I know it's difficult. Um, but I really hope that you'll just say, God, what do you want me to do? And know that just like Operation Christmas Child, you know, makes a difference in those kids' lives, we can make a difference in the lives of people around the world as we participate in this. So I hope that you will. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, I'm so excited about Christmas. We do Operation Christmas Child and, and a great mission, and then we turn around and we have Lottie Moon. So it's just an awesome thing. It really is. All right. Well, today we're back in our SOAR series. And we, over the last weeks, we talked about joy soars in the skies of love and obedience and gratitude, and today we want to talk about we're going to fly the friendly skies of hope. Now, now here's what's really interesting. This is a Omega Alpha message. Okay, it is the it's the last message in the Source series, but technically it's also the first message in our Advent in the series for Christmas this year. It's called Advent: The Songs of Christmas. Advent: The Songs of Christmas. So it's also. Did you notice by the way the song was different? Joy. To the world, joy to the world. Okay, you 
didn't notice that, didn't you? Yeah, okay. All right. Well, anyway, anyway. So, so that was kind of a way of segueing, okay, into um, the next series without abandoning our thing of hope. And it just happened, Brent, that, that the first message on Advent was hope, was hope. So it fit just perfectly, perfectly. Now, over the last three weeks, and now the fourth week, and now several times before that, and several times in the future, we talked over and over again about what is biblical joy? What is biblical joy? Well, let's read it together for the first time for a while, or last time for a while. It says this, biblical joy, and I hope you've almost got this memorized. I hope you do. You know, let's see if I can do it. You know, biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being. It's okay. It's okay. Based on, not circumstance, not based on, you know, do I have a job or not, not based on COVID, no COVID. You know, it's based on my faith in God, my faith in God, and entrusting in His sovereign will. Now, the word trust there is interesting because the word trust really ties right in with the word hope. In fact, they're almost synonyms. They're almost exactly alike, trust and hope. And that really plays a big deal. You know, you know, trust and hope. And also, it ties together with hope and faith. Hope and faith. You know, do you know faith and hope are sisters? <laughs> Couldn't wait to say that. See, now, I know some of y'all don't know. Well, see, my, my daughter Becca and her husband Jonathan have two daughters. And the one daughter's named Faith and the other's named Hope. Faith and hope are sisters. Well, for my purposes today, they're also first cousins. Not in that case, but they're first cousins because they mean so much similar to what they really are. Okay? Here, let me read you. This is from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1. Faith, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let me read it again. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of of what we do not see. And then, and then hope is, hope is a feeling of expectation and trust in someone. Faith and hope. And we need that today. We need that today because we live in such uncertain days. Did y'all know that the government and CDC are at war with, with Weather Channel? Oh, it's the latest conflict. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah see, if, if you listen to the news, I try not to do that, but occasionally I will. And if you listen to the news, they are forecasting a long, hard winter. In fact, they use these words, a long, dark winter. And so here comes the Weather Channel. And I just saw this this morning. You know, I get up in the morning, I have my little cup of coffee, you know, and I need something to do while I'm waking up, you know, letting the coffee take its effect, you know. So, so I turn on the Weather Channel this morning, and they're doing this little segment, you know. It's really cool. This little segment, and the guy's up there talking about how cool it is in St. Charles, Louisiana, how they went through a hurricane, and they also went through a tropical storm, and the resilience of the people, how encouraging it was. And guess what the segment was entitled? And it's going to be, I guess, a regular one throughout the holiday season. It's called Forecasting Hope. Forecasting Hope. So we got the government over here here and the CDC, and they're forecasting a long, hard winter, okay, a long, dark winter. And then we got the Weather Channel over here. I just like the Weather Channel. And the Weather Channel is just over here, and they're forecasting hope. Hope. And see, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The bottom line is is that we have reason to hope. And the reason, you know, the rest of the saying again, joy soars in the skies of hope. Hope. 
Okay? And what, today we're going to spend our entire time talking about why we can have hope in these difficult times. How can we have hope when it seems like everyone's shouting negative and darkness, okay, and hopelessness? And we, and we certainly can. Now, there's a quote, okay, can't even credit the person, but someone said, man can live about 40 days without food. Now, some of us can go a little longer. We have a little greater reserve uh, than that, okay? So man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, okay, three days without water, um, about eight minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. Now think about that. True hopelessness kills the heart, breaks the heart, and we allow that to come in. And these days, it's almost like, I use the word vomit in I used the word vomit in first. You know, it's like darkness and hopelessness is being vomited all over us from everywhere we turn in the secular media, media and often from folks. It's all negative. It's all darkness. Okay? Now, what does that look like? Well, biblically, you know, if you look at Judges 21-25, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament. Okay? But simply because it says this, it's so true. It says, Judges 21-25, in those days, in those days, Israel had no king. Israel had no king. You know, it's darkness when a country doesn't have a king. And see, part of the problem in America today is, is that America doesn't have a king. Oh, they got presidents and governors. But they don't have the king of kings and lord of lords. They don't have the king of kings and lord of lords. So, so what, do you do? what do you do? What do you do when you choose to walk away from the true king? What do you do? Well, it tells us. It says that all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And that's our culture today. It's a culture where everybody seems to do whatever they think is right. And it leads to chaos, confusion, and it leads to darkness. It leads to darkness. Uh, one of the movies I, I used to, I've watched several times, it's called The American President. I don't agree with everything in it. It's not too bad of a movie. Um, it's one of those ones that I don't mind watching. But anyway, in that movie, um, the president seems to be weakening some. And so one of his staff members says, you know, the people are wanting leadership. They're wanting leadership. And, and they said, you know, it's like people going into the desert and drinking sand because there's no water. That's why he saw, that's why he saw the country. And then the, the, the president guy chimes in and says this. He said, that's not the worst of it. He said, they don't know the difference. People go into the desert and they're drinking sand because they don't know the difference between sand and water. That's how America is today. We have lost our moral compass. We simply do not know where we are going. We simply do not know where we are going. And so the question becomes then, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And today, we've got the answer. We've got the answer. You know, even Job, Job who's a great man of faith, but in Job 30, 26, here's what he said, but when I hoped for good, when I hoped for good, evil came. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Um, when I waited for light, darkness came. Darkness came. That's where we're living right now. That's where we're living. The culture as a whole, not, not, not every believer, certainly, and not every church, certainly, but, but overall the culture is that way. It says we've lost hope. We've lost hope. Now, a guy named Peter uh, Kraft said this. I really like it. He says, I would like to update it. Let me read it one way, then I'll read another. Because in an age of hope, in an age of hope, men looked up at the night sky and saw the heavens. In an age of hope, men looked up at the sky, night sky and saw 
the heavens. You know, Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of His hands. So in an age of hope, Peter Kreft says, people look at that and they're amazed by what they see. How many of y'all saw the moon last night? Um, at, I know you will, Brent, I really know you will get up, okay? 3.29 in the morning. It's going to be full moon. 3.29 in the morning, tomorrow morning. It's going to be full moon. But last night, we're coming back from, from Jen's house. And, you know, we're driving north, so to the east, there it was. I said, gee, look. And the moon was just up there. And it wasn't quite full, but it was magnificent in all its glory. I mean, I saw the moon. And I'm not being spiritual enough. I'm just telling you. And I'm going, wow, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the magnificence of your creation. And, and when you choose, somebody say choose. Listen, when you choose to live in hope, that's what the moon says. You know, when you choose to live in hope, you look at the stars, and you don't just see stars. You see the handiwork of the creator God. So, so in an age of hope, the people look up. And let me just change the, the, uh, the tense of it. In an age of hope, men look up. Like now, look up at the night sky and they see the heavens. Do you see the heavens? Do you see the heavens? Because, because in an age of hopelessness, they simply call it space. They simply call it space. In the world that you live in, in the world where your culture is, in your worldview, do you see the heavens or all you see is something called Space. You know, the Bible says, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, Forever since, forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. They have seen the earth and the sky. Uh, through everything God made, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. I love that. I love that. I don't have all the answers about what if someone lives in Africa and they don't hear the gospel. But, but the word of God says that, that the very existence of creation shouts and screams, There is a God! And He loves you! And He loves you! They may not get all the theology of, of, of how it all works, but the word declares they're without excuse because in nature they see His divine power. His divine power. Leanne Womack has a great song, a wonderful song. If you haven't listened to it in a while, you need to go listen to it. Her, her song is entitled, There Is a God. And she talks about so many things in this song. You know, putting your arms around a hundred-year-old oak tree or, or riding a horse as he runs full steam or looking into the face of a newborn baby. And then she asks the question, you know, she makes a statement, There is a God. There is a God. There is a God. How much proof do you need? How much, hey, hey, believer, believer, how much proof do you, see, in case you've decided to wander away from God, if the COVID has perhaps caused you to start doubting God, look around, the heavens declare the glory of God, how much proof do you need? Listen, there, this is the day, these are the hours that the church has got to be the church. We cannot be divided, we, we cannot be divided on our loyalty to God. We cannot be divided on our little tip, God. We have got to be certain. We've got to be beacons of light, beacons of hope in a very, very dark word. How much world? How much hope do you need? And then, and then uh, Paul goes on and says in verse twenty-one: Yes, they knew God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him. In America, it's not that we never heard of God; it's that we're choosing not to worship Him. 
they wouldn't worship him and, or, even, or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, as a result, their minds became dark and confused. That's where we are. And that's where the nation of Israel was. That's where the nation of Israel was. So I'm sitting there getting ready to preach this. And I looked at chapter 9. And we're going to go there in just a moment because it's all about hope. It's all about hope. And I said, well, what preceded chapter 9? And I said, I bet it's chapter 8. Profound. I bet it's chapter 8. But what I wasn't prepared for is what chapter 8 said. Listen. I'll read it slow. This is chapter 8. Verse 20 through 22. What precedes chapter 9. Look to God's instructions and teaching, the prophet says. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another weary and hungry. Now listen to this. And because they are, this is, don't miss this. Because they were hungry or hungry, they rage and curse their king and their God. Culture's hungry. And they are raging and they are cursing the king and their God. What do we do with that? What do we do? He goes on and says this. They look up to heaven and down at the earth. But wherever they look, there will be trouble. Now listen, listen, listen. There will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out in the darkness. Excuse me. But that's where our world is right now. Their world is full of trouble, anguish, and dark despair. And they will be thrown out in darkness. Now, now, I want you to understand. Excuse me if I'm blunt today. We expect that. We expect that from a lost culture. Don't ever let it be said the church. If your world, if your world is filled with anguish and dark despair. Know that you're off course. You're like a ship whose rudder is broken. And you're off course. Our world is not as believers in Jesus Christ who have experienced the marvelous grace of God and who know the great gospel of Jesus Christ. Our, our course is focused on Christ. It is not darkness. It is light. It is not despair. It's hope. And there's a world out there who desperately needs to hear that. They don't need to hear our whining and complaining. They need to hear voices of hope shouting out, He's real. He's real. He's changed my life. He can change your life also. Now, I'm an, I'm an early riser. I'm an early riser. And 9-1, and 9-1, the, the, the chapter of hope, talks about this. Look what it says. The time, early riser. Nevertheless, that time of darkness, that time of despair, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Now, listen here. If you bought the lie that this thing goes on forever, then you've been lied to and you've bought something that's false. Just like, just like the prophet says to the nation of Israel, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. This will not go on forever. God is still God. He's in control. And His timing matters, not yours. Okay? But He's telling us, listen, this will not go on forever. Did you know there's something better coming? You mentioned that. 
Jesus is coming back. The Advent is not about Christmas only. It's about the coming, second coming of Jesus Christ. There's a better day. There's a better thing coming. Okay? So, so the, the, the uh, prophet says that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. But sometimes we think it will. Now, again, I'm an early riser. This morning was 5 o'clock. Usually it's 4 or 4.30. Not an alarm clock. It's just what I do. But I get up, especially in the wintertime, and I get up, and I'm sitting there, and it's like dark. I mean, like, it is dark. And so, so I, I, ten, I have a tendency to open my office door at home, and I go out there, and I've got a window that faces east. Now, when I face west, I mean, it seems like forever before any light comes. But if I look toward the east, about 5.40 or quarter till, uh, quarter till 6, um, I start seeing something. I start seeing shades of light. Shades of light. And here's the teaching point. Here's what it says. When it seems night will never end. Have you ever had a night that you didn't think would end? Did you ever have a night, the darkness time? It may have been a COVID illness. It may be death of a loved one. It may be a marriage that went south. It may be, south. It may be children that went away. Have you ever had a night you didn't think would, would end? The earliest shade of dawning light reminds us that light, that night must surrender today. Night must surrender today. Listen to this. The most immense darkness, the greatest darkness, cannot overcome the smallest light. Yet the smallest light can overcome the greatest darkness. Listen, 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 listen. That time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The, the sun is going to come up. You know how we know the sun is going to come up? Not because some chart says so. Because creator God that you and I believe in said so. I know, I know at 329, now, now the scientists figured out a while back, but God knew forever ago that on November the 30th, at 3.29 a.m., Brent, that the moon was going to be full. He knew that. He designed that. Come on, he made that. He created that. Now, if God can handle, if God can handle having a moon full and being unpredicted from before the foundation of the world was laid, if God can predict that and handle that, do you think he can handle your mess? I think he can. I think he can. So, so every time you get up in the morning, if you ever happen to get up like I do, and you got to see that first shade, remember this. It's saying, it's saying that night cannot overcome today. Night cannot overcome today. And then, then the scripture we're fixing to read says this. Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Brothers and sisters, listen. There is a morning coming. There is a morning coming. There is a morning coming. And it will dispel the darkness. Joy comes in the morning. You know, yeah, we preached last week about Paul and Silas in jail in, in the book of Acts. And, you know, and they're sitting there, and the Bible says, remember, they're sitting there, and it's midnight. It's midnight, and they're singing and praying. And I don't mind telling you, I said last week, I'll say this week, I would not be singing or praying. If I did, it would be a song like, Woe is me. Okay, my prayer would be, God, why don't you kill the jailer? That's the kind of prayers I would pray. But they're, they're worshiping, and the prisoners are listening. So I got thinking about this week. I said, why were they singing? How were, how were they able to sing? You know what they realized? Joy comes in the morning. They weren't, 
They weren't concentrating on their... They weren't concentrating... Todd, they weren't concentrating on their midnight. (laughs) They were concentrating on their sunrise. Now, what are you concentrating on? What are you focusing on? Are you sitting there concentrating on your midnight? Are you concentrating on your sunrise? Because joy comes in the morning. You can sit there and you can paddle around in your midnight and you'll become hopeless and lost and in darkness. You focus on the morning because joy comes in the morning. Here's how the psalmist put it. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise His holy name for His anger, His discipline only lasts for a moment. But His favor, and remember the definition of grace, God's unmerited favor, His favor lasts a lifetime. Yes, yes, listen, let's be honest and let's be real. You know, weeping may last through the night. There are difficult times in our lives. Come on, we, we can't deny that, nor should we deny that. Weeping lasts for the night, but joy, but joy comes in the morning. Then the, then the prophet goes on to the second part of verse number one. He says, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. In other words, they're in a time of discipline by God because of their sin, because of their sin. But there will be a time in the future. Someone say in the future. Now listen, there will be a time in the future. We're going to bring this up to 2020. There will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, he specifically names the area, Galilee of the Gentiles, and then he gives little details, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea. And what this does, it adds validity to the word of God. You know, people go, oh, yeah, I know that where that road is. That road's still there. I know what that road is, okay? So the road that runs between Jordan and the sea will be filled with glory. In this time of darkness that that he's describing, you need to know sometime in the future, this area called Galilee will be filled with glory. And six or seven hundred years later, listen to what Matthew wrote in chapter 4. Jesus traveled. Well, where did Jesus go, I wonder? Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee. Now, Now, hang on. You ought to be like going, somebody go, come on, yeah, you know why? Because, listen, 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 when God says something, it comes true. Now, you can't believe that about whoever's in the White House. You can't believe that who's ever in the State House. You can't even believe whoever's running the courthouse. But when God says something, it comes back Come on now, you're not, you're not fired up enough yet. Let's try one more time. When God says something, it's going to come about. See, it's going to come about. And here's what he says. Now, that, that land of Galilee will be filled with glory. And then six or seven hundred years later, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee. And guess what he's doing? He was teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news. See, there's a lot to talk about these days. But the problem is, if you're like your pastor, too often it's negative junk. Okay, we've got good news to talk about. We've got good news to talk about. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God loved us enough. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a Roman cross, that whoever will put their faith and trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross, turning from their sin and following Jesus Christ, if we choose to do that, we can have light. We can have hope instead of darkness. It's good news. It's good news. And then he goes on and says this, And he healed every kind of disease. And illness. Now, 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 it doesn't say in Galilee that he healed every person. But it does say that he healed every kind of disease. And you know why that's important? 
It states his authority. See, see, Jesus is King of Kings. And Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. See, there's no disease, there's no disease that is bigger than Jesus. There's no disease. Listen, COVID, COVID is not bigger than Jesus. Cancer is not bigger than Jesus. Heart disease is not bigger than Jesus. You know, Jesus is greater than all. If he chooses, he can heal any person of any disease. Now, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes the healing comes for believers. The healing comes uh, through transfer to heaven. But here, I want you to hear clear. I thought about, gee, should I have said that? I, I think so because I'm going to say it again. These are not your Savior. These are not your Savior. See, i got two of these. And I wear these everywhere I go. I wear them first service. Don't wear them here because I choose not to. But if I go to Walmart, well, I don't ever go to Walmart. Kroger, wherever I go, I put this thing on. Okay? But it's not my Savior. See, my Savior and your Savior is Jesus Christ. You know, he's bigger than, he's bigger than your greatest fear. And your greatest fear for so many of you right now is COVID. You know, Paul said it again. Whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. So rest in his care. Rest in his love. Rest in his sovereignty that he's got this. That he's got this. So he healed every disease. And you know what? He still does. He, he, listen, he's not gotten old and weak. Has your God got old and weak? Have you decided to sign your God to the nursing home? You got the wrong God. Don't give up now. You don't got the wrong God because our God is able. Our God is able. Is that clock right? We're in trouble. Come on now. Isaiah 9, 2. Listen, listen, listen. The people who walk in darkness. Now we're back to the prophet. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. The people who walk, hey, 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 the people who walk in darkness that you know, the people who you bump into at Walmart, the people out there who don't know Jesus that you know, the people who walk in darkness will see, can see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. A light will shine. You know, Colossians 1.13 says this, For he has rescued us, from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He took us from the land of darkness and put us into the land of light. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of dark, deep darkness, a light will shine. You know what Jesus said, don't you? Five, six hundred years later. He said this, I am the light of the world. I am the light. Of the world. Now, listen, if you follow me, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. If you're living today and your world seems dark, remember this if you follow Jesus, you won't have to walk in darkness. I spent Friday night with Jennifer and Matt down there in Murray. That's where we had our Thanksgiving meal the next day on Saturday. And I had to get up in the middle of the night. You know, sometimes that happens. And the lights were all out. And so I'm just bumbling. I mean, I am just bumbling along. I did find the rail and made it halfway down the stairs and found this rail downstairs. And again, went back upstairs. And I could not see a thing. I found, I could see the rail at the beginning. So I started, and I've only spent the night about there three times. So I did not know. I forgot where I was. That's basically what I'm trying to tell you. 
Of course, that happens often. But anyway, so, so I'm, going up, I'm going up the stairs, and I reach a point where there are no more steps. So I know I'm on the landing, and I can't remember if I'm supposed to turn left or right. I'm confused. Of course, y'all knew that. It's not a deal. Okay, so I finally figured I was supposed to turn right, and I start climbing stairs again, and I can't even see the door. I can't see the door. And I finally get to the top, and again, I do, I'm doing this. I'm feeling for the next step. And when there's not a next step, I figure I'm in the room. And literally, I just not fell, but I did. I kind of fell into the room. Felt the bed out and crawled in and said, I ain't getting up no more. It's, it's, a, it's a danger. It's a hard thing when you walk in darkness. Amen? But here's what Jesus says. If, listen, Christians. Listen, Christ followers. If you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness. You don't have to walk in darkness because you will have a light that leads to light. Don't walk in darkness in this crazy world. You've got, listen, you've got the Holy Spirit living within you. And He is the light of Christ. And if you walk in the light, you don't have to worry about the darkness. You know, there's an old saying, I don't know if this is a Texas saying or not, you know, but the saying goes, you know, you dance with the one who brung you. Yeah, I don't know if it's Texas or not. It sounds Texan, okay? Well, here's the deal. I'm, let me add to that something better, okay? You walk with the one with the light. Have you ever walked like in a trail at night? We've done this in Florida. You know, when we go with Florida and some one person will have a flashlight and you have a couple of choices. You can walk before the light and stumble and fall. You can walk behind the light and stumble and fall. But if you choose to walk with a person holding the flashlight, you can see and you don't stumble or fall. Hey, 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 church, it's time to walk with the one who's got the light. You've got to walk with the one who's got the light. Now, listen, you can, choose to, you can choose to follow people with a black light. won't work. You've got to follow the one true light. Walk with the one holding the light. Then he goes on and says this. For a child is born to us. Talking about five, six hundred years ahead. Christmas. For a child is born to us, a son is given. I don't know what you think about when you see a child. I see potential and I see promise. But nothing like this child. Because this was going to be the God-man. Son of God, son of man. Son of God, son of man. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's a, a child will be, be born to us. A son will be given. And guess what? Five or six hundred years ago, that's what happened. That's what happened. Listen to Matthew one twenty one. She, Mary, she, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. You know what Jesus means? It means Savior. Uh, one translation is God is salvation. But here's what's really interesting. You may not know this. You may. You know, uh, that's a Greek word. That's a Greek name. Jesus is. The Hebrew name for Jesus is Joshua. Joshua. And it's very interesting. And I couldn't say the second part, so I'll just give you what it means. But the first word, the first part of Joshua is the word Yah. The Hebrew word Yah. As in Yahweh. Yahweh. Okay? The second part of Joshua means to save, to save alive, or to rescue. So God, God saves, God saves alive, and God rescues. God saves, God saves alive, and God rescues. And that's the name of Jesus in Hebrew. He is the Savior of the world. God saves. God saves alive. God rescues. Amen. Isn't that good? I mean, I'm telling you what, Jesus is so powerful. And the Bible says, you know, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
We were lost and we were hopeless. And Jesus comes along and rescues us. How amazing. Well, Matthew continues at verse 22 and 23 and says, All this took place, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah. Behold, the virgin, and we'll talk about the virgin next week. We'll talk about that with Mary's message. But all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son. And his name, or they shall call him, Emmanuel. God with us. Now, this is why, if you're Christ follower, that's why being overcome with darkness and hopelessness makes no sense. Because if you are a Christ follower, God is with you. But that's a really good place for an amen. If you are a Christ follower, God is with you. And he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. So we can, we can say no. We can say no to hopelessness. We can say no to darkness. Listen. I don't care how loud they shouted. If your faith is in God, he's got you. Dwayne, does that mean I won't get COVID? Didn't say that. You know, they used to say, you know, the safest place to be is in the will of God, implying that if you're in the will of God, that nothing will happen to you. That's not true. Because a lot of good missionaries have lost their, lost their lives, and it was just simply God's will that God take them out for a purpose that he wanted fulfilled. But I didn't say that. I'm telling you this. God's got this. And if you are a child of God, walk with him. Walk in the light. Don't you, don't be overwhelmed with this hopeless mess. That's not your, that's like, that's like trying to speak a language you don't speak. That's like being in a country you don't live in. Hopelessness, hopelessness, hopelessness ain't your gig. Hope is your gig. You know, peace, you know, war is not your gig. Peace is your gig. Faithlessness is not your gig. Faith is your gig. Live in that. For your sake and the sake of the gospel. For your sake and the sake of the gospel. If you're here today, you might be on Facebook watching or maybe going to watch it later. You know, you heard a lot about God today. I want you to tell you, he just loves you so much. He loves you so much. I mean, he loved you so much that he allowed his son Jesus Christ to die on a Roman cross. You know, God is for you. He wants to adopt you. He wants you to be born again into his family. And it all happens by faith. It has nothing to do with church. It has nothing to be a, a denomination. It has to do with putting your faith and trust in who Jesus is and what he did. And he did what he said he would do. That's it. That's it. And my friend Brent's going to be standing down front here in the room. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity. We don't want to give you that opportunity today. If you're on Facebook, you know, I can get my number out in a while. You know, 618-499-0070. Give me a holler. I would love to. Now, don't just call to talk about football, unless it's Notre Dame football, and then we can talk. But no, no, no. But if you want to talk about Christ, give me a holler. You know, if you need Jesus, give me a holler. Because I'm telling you, he's everything he said that he was. Amen? Amen. And in this dark world, he's the light that we need. Let's pray together.
God, I sure thank you for this opportunity to share this message again. And Father, I want to pray it spurred hope in some folks. Father, don't let us put our hope in the government or even a piece of cloth. That cloth may be a good thing to do. I'll wear mine. But it's not my Savior. Help me put my faith and trust in you, the one who can make a difference. If there's someone listening on Facebook today or or perhaps someone in this room who needs a relationship with Jesus Christ, may today be that day. God, we honor and we glorify you because of who you are. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.